on October 25th, 2015, an 18-year-old girl from Little Rock, Arkansas, makes an erratic phone call to her brother. She then disappears without a trace. Three years later, her body is discovered only 60 feet from her car. You're listening to the Mysterious Brews Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Ebby Stebbick. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, chilly basement. Yeah, my toesies are cold. It's a little chilly down here. But I will say this. This is the first fall in a long time that it was chilly the first of October. I remember sweating to death at football practice for several years, so mm-hmm. I am embracing this one. Oh, yeah. So, uh, how nice. you been there, Slappy? Be nice. We actually got a winter this year. Yeah, maybe some snow days? <laughs> oh, man, that- if anybody doesn't know, those are the two greatest words in the English language when they're used together. Snow and day. Snow day is amazing. Hopefully we'll get one. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Tennessee won yesterday. Uh, by the time people hear this, hopefully they'll beat Georgia. But after what Georgia looked like against Auburn, good God. I just don't know if that's going to happen. Well, they did look pretty pretty amazing. I was quietly and pleasantly surprised by their performance man one of us is gonna be real happy and the other one's gonna be real pissed by the time y'all hear this <laughs> well if it's me i'm kind of used to <laughs> i don't get my hopes up with tennessee anymore you know what i'm saying i know what you're saying man so, but anywho that's not people this is not a damn sports podcast people don't give a shit about our football teams all they, all they care about is yeah buddy yeah buddy tell them what we're drinking there we are drinking Bearded Iris's Pep Talk, and it was brought to us by Mr. Terry Andrew, who was polite enough to message us on Facebook, and we set up a rendezvous, and he delivered us the dis- delicious Bearded Iris that we are drinking this week, some more Bearded Iris, and another surprise beer that we cannot get in the great state of Georgia. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Just the fact that people would bring us some stuff like that is just amazing. And I appreciate the hell out of it. And since it is the beginning of October, we are going to do our Patreon shout-outs. I would like to thank Angel Don Moyer, Tanya Brott, Stacey McLean, Stephen Hernandez, Jason Guthrie, Chris Browning, the lovely Miss Bliss, Deanne Blevins, Christy McKee, Harley, is, I always screw this up all the time. I, we? I didn't screw nothing up. Is Cariot. Iscariot, like Judas. Iscariot as Judas. Ju- pre- Judas <laughs> Iscariot. <laughs> April Fowler, Felicia April, Galindo. April Farrah Fowler. Um, Miss Amanda Kimsey, Thomas Samuels. George Collins, the original man from out on the West Coast. West, it's Joyce Brandon. West Side. Jonathan Smith. Jennifer Clickenbeard. We love it. I appreciate every single one of y'all. It's amazing. I never thought we'd have any listens that weren't direct family. Yeah, Much I agree. Much less people that were willing to pay to hear my my sultry, soothing voice and your... Well, we climbed the charts. 
in uh, Mexico again. We're back to 150. We are uh, in Brazil. We're 130, and we're still hanging tr- strong in Slovenia at number 53. Are we're going to have to get a Slovenia case, I guess. I guess so. Did you say 53? 53. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Mrs. Arlo has a theory on it. She thinks that people listen to us in other countries because we talk slower, so that way they can master the English language. That's what I said, God, too. I really hope they don't. <laughs> I hope they're not using us. They're going to be in Slovenia like, near by God. Sons of bitches. <laughs> what we finna to? We finna go to stove. <laughs> oh, man. But we do appreciate everyone. Across the globe, it's hard to say, but let's uh, let's hop into this one. We are going to discuss the mysterious disappearance and untimely death of Miss Ebby Stebbett. All right, so Miss <laughs> Ebby Stebbett was born on March 31st, 1997, and lived in Little Rock, Arkansas. She was 18 years old, 110 pounds, with blonde hair. With blonde hair and only a little bit over five feet tall. <laughs> I don't know why that was funny, but blonde hair. <laughs> good save, by the way. Uh, according to Abby's mother, she was going through a rebellious time her senior year. And according to her mother and our older brother, she had reportedly met some unreputables at her summer job at Foot Locker at the McCain Mall in Little Rock. Well, later on, we need to we need to talk more about this change. I think there's more to it than all the research we did was just like, oh, she just changed. Oh, uh, so she either. just kind of got a little rebellious. No, no, there's something's going something's going on. Yeah, and I agree. We'll t- we need to talk about it later when we maybe get into our theories. Yeah, basically she started rebelling, and she went from being a very sweet, bubbly girl to argumentative and confrontational and wanting to stay out late and do things that her parents didn't want her to do. And essentially, her parents were like, look, if you want to stay here, you you have to obey our rules or you can get out. And at 18 years old, she got out. That is... Strange behavior, especially for someone in high school. Right. She left the Lisa Academy, which was a charter school, and she left at her the end of her junior year. So she started her senior year at the public school, which in I think it's called Central High School. Yeah. She would stay with her grandparents, her older brother. She would stay with friends. So she was basically transient between places to live but the way her mom explains it they it sounds like they had a relationship that was better after she moved out but she still she still cared enough about her to to worry about where she was at yeah. and what she was doing yeah and essentially that uh, uh, in my experience that does fix a lot of problems absence makes the heart grow fonder so the the problems you may be having that are super important you assume are super important at the time once you're separated they don't really they don't really matter that much anymore and the relationships can be fixed yeah and it was in the early fall of 2015 that her mother and stepfather 
Lori and Michael began receiving calls from Central High School reporting that Abby was not coming to school. No, she's living on her own. She can do what she wants. And if I'm if I lived by myself as a senior in high school and I woke up with the slightest instance of oh I'm still tired. Oh I've got a headache. Oh this, that, and the other. I wouldn't get up. There's no way. I'd be like Deuces <laughs> According to her parents, they did not confront her about this because of the fact that she wasn't living with them and she was 18 years old. You know, she was basically making her bed and they were going to let her sleep in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes sometimes you got to let them learn a lesson. Yeah. Learn on their own. So on the morning of Wednesday, October 21st, 2015, Abby skipped school telling her friend Danielle she wanted to, quote, avoid all the drama. What that drama is, no one knows. Not even her friends. Yeah. Danielle stated that she didn't know what Abby was talking about. Well, they may know, but they've never. Right. They have claimed. They don't know. They they didn't even know what drama she was referring to. And I'm going to tell you something. If you've you've been out of high school for a little bit, you may not remember this. (laughs) But in high school, seniors... Know just about damn near everything. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of drama. Oh, yeah. So, Abby had been staying with Danielle and her family for about a week. And then on Friday of the week of October 21st, she wanted to go to a party. And she invited Danielle, but Danielle decided that she would not go because she would say that she didn't know anyone there other than Abby. Now, it was at this party that Abby claimed to have had an incident with four young men. Well, before we get to that, that is a strange thing anyway. Uh, this, this, this is a little bit of a strange happening anyway, because if you're f- best friends with somebody... You would think you had the same friend circle. You would have the same friend circle. Yeah. And the fact that Abby had a completely different set of friends... Than someone she's staying with is what's odd. Yeah, it's extremely odd. And... I um I've been to Little Rock, but it's not a huge, huge, huge metropolitan area. It is relatively small. And in 1997, how do you have a complete and separate group of friends from your best friend? Well, and I read online that uh, someone had stated that they she they were around the same age as Abby, and that. Uh, Basically, all the high schools were interconnected, even the private schools. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew just about everybody. Oh, they go to this place. They go to that place. So that is an odd statement, but be what it may, you know, that's what Danielle is claiming. Mm-hmm. So some, it's either extremely strange or somebody's not saying everything they know. Correct. So, so the next morning, which would have been Saturday morning... Abby's friend receives a text message from her, and her friend's name is Gage Fulton. Mm -hmm. Now, according to a private investigator named Monty Vickers, this is recorded conversation between Gage and himself. Mm -hmm. And he states that, quote, Abby stated to Gage, I was hanging with some dudes last night and we smoked and I had sex with one of them and he fucking recorded me dude like why when I wasn't looking mm-hmm. end quote 
Yeah, now the party's on October twenty third, right? Yes. Correct. Okay. But she's going to, yeah, she's going to claim in a text message that he, one guy recorded her and they were having sex. She's also going to state that she did feel forced into it. But she never, with that that friend at least, never uses the word rape. Right. She says that he he she had sex with someone. That person recorded it without her knowledge, which is a crime. And... That she did feel forced, but she did not use the word raped. And then on October 24th, she's going to go to her parents' house and inform them that she was gang raped by four individuals. And they videotaped it. She's going to use the words gang raped. Now, Abby would not tell her friend Gage who videotaped it. Mm-hmm. But says that she was horrified and confused. Mm-hmm. Oh, did I jump the gun? I'm sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just, this is the conversation that I had found. I got you. Basically, she tells her friend that she, like you said, felt forced into it. And the last text message they received from her was her stating, I'm going to kill, go kill myself. But she doesn't. She basically gets pissed off and decides she's going to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And that's when, like you said, she contacts her stepfather. And and depending on what podcast you listen to or what research you've done, this incident right here is what a lot of people hang their hat on when they start throwing blame towards the stepfather. Mm -hmm. Supposedly, and again, this is all conjecture because we really don't know, but supposedly she texts him, and said, I really need to speak with you about something, but I do not want you to tell mom. Hmm. So he states that, you know, she confided to him, like you stated, that she was raped. Now, it depends on which article or thread you look at. I've seen it where they agreed that they were going to meet at the police station later that evening to report it. I've also um, read where he was going to come pick her up at her grandparents' house and they were both going to go. But needless to say, whatever the semantics were, she had decided that she was going to go to the police station and Mm -hmm. she was going to file a claim or a report. However, that never happens. Yeah. She's going to leave. She's She's going to be gone somewhere. And her mother and stepfather are going to try to find her, try to get in, tu- get in touch with her, and they are unable to. It's a Saturday, October 24th. Some point during that day, according to her cell phone records, she's going to make two 911 calls. And they last about a minute each, right? About a minute each. But she's going to make two 911 calls. No one knows exactly what was said on those phone calls, because guess what? Supposedly, the Little Rock Police Department did not record said phone calls. Yeah, if you um, if you happen to be one of our many listeners from Arkansas, this is probably not going to nothing we say during this is probably going to surprise you at all. You probably know about this case anyway, but you're also aware of some of the shenanigans that goes on with law enforcement. Law enforcement, but yeah, for some reason these phone calls were not recorded. And let's and just go ahead and get this out of the way. They have no record. Of the phone calls. Of the phone calls happening. How the fuck do you call 911 and it's not logged in some... In 2015. We're not talking about 2003 or 1997. Mm -hmm. 
This is 2015. This is only five years ago. It's not like 911 just fucking was new to the world. And like I said, I want to get this out of the way. This be this is a chain of events that goes way beyond gross negligence mm-hmm. and incompetence. This borderlines on criminal activity. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I've gotten off my soapbox. No, so can you continue. Just climb up on there. <laughs> it makes you look taller. It does. It You're almost a, my height. When give you get me, up give me about four or five more inches on you. <laughs> now, <laughs> um, about where, and this is, you know, I kind of touched on it. Supposedly, Abby had told her grandparents that she was planning on coming back to their house and spending the night there, but she was leaving to meet up with her stepfather, Michael. Her stepfather, when she doesn't arrive at the police station, he goes back home. Her mom and him start trying to contact her. And they spend all night trying to get her text message or call her and nothing comes up. Now, according to the private investigator, Monty Vickers, after her two phone calls to 911... She sent texts to her alleged rapist threatening to go to the police with her claims. Yeah, apparently she texted all four men at some point during that day, during that night. And this is where Michael believes that she may have gone out to confront her rapist. Like I had stated, this is where some people state that Michael is to blame. He met up with her and he did something. And that's just not the case that I have found in my research. He basically went to meet her, come back home, told his wife, look, I was supposed to meet Abby. She's not there. You you know, the grandparents don't know where she's at. And so that's when the wheels start rolling. And then uh, the next day, Sunday, October 25th at 2 p.m., she's going to answer a phone call from her brother. Her brother's going to call her and claims that his Trevor claims that she sounded disoriented, disorient, golly, disorientated. <laughs> <laughs> she was disoriented during the conversation, and when asked where she was, she claimed to be outside his house. So he immediately hangs up, runs outside. She's not there. So he calls back, and uh, she answers again, again sounding uh, disoriented. And he asks where she is, and she says, well, I'm in my car, but I'm not sure where I am. And then the last thing she states, one of the last things she states to him is she states that I'm fucked up. Now, when you, if you do research on your own or you see some things, some people get that confused with I fucked up. No, no. it's I'm. Yeah. She was indicating that she was intoxicated. Right. Be, that is directly from Trevor because, and he confirms that she did sound completely messed up. Yeah. So the, the, not that they're, I mean, you can't blame them for doing this, but the people that took that the wrong way made gross assumptions about what she's talking about when she say, I fucked up. Saying maybe she got, she was talking about getting in the wrong crowd. She, maybe she's talking about, she texting those guys and they coming after her. She did this, she did that. No, no, no. She's intoxicated. And she tells him that I am fucked up. And she hangs up, and that's it. That's the last time anyone speaks to her. Yes. Now, supposedly, and I don't, I would not, I've not found anything that would lead me to believe otherwise, Trevor called the police immediately. 
and said, you've got to go look for her car. I know something mm-hmm. is wrong. Something's happened. And basically, they're like, uh, sorry, she's 18. We have to wait at least 12 hours. Now, this is complete and utter bullshit. Yeah. Because she falls into the category as an endangered teen, according to what I read. And you don't have to wait any damn time. No. And that, that was confirmed by the mother that they later learned that that was horseshit. Yeah. Now, in the, is it the Vanished podcast that you sent me? Yeah. She does an interview with the mom, and the mom says that she finally gets someone from Little Rock Police Department to come by and take a statement. And this officer basically tells her straight up, look, this is not going to probably end well. You need to prepare yourself. This can ruin a marriage. This can ruin a family. And Mm -hmm. I want you to understand what you're going to be up against. And she said that at that time, she really, really appreciated him being so frank and Mm -hmm. curt with her because she did not have these visions of grandeur that she was just asleep in her car somewhere. Yeah. Well, on Tuesday, October 22nd, Abby's Volkswagen Passat is going to be discovered by a security guard abandoned in the parking lot near a wooded area in Chalamont Park. And this guy is going to call the police, say this doesn't look right. Yeah, his name is Mr. Guy Hooper. Yeah. So this doesn't look right. Something's off. And this is a Monday, isn't it? No, it's Tuesday, October 27th. Okay. Sorry for, I don't know why I had <laughs> Monday. I pulled a coach and didn't listen. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) all right so (laughs) you got me there um anyway so he calls the cops tells something's off about this car you need to come check it out the cops say yeah man we're on our way he waits for two full hours no one shows up the next day the car is still there he calls he calls the police again waits for hours and finally they arrive and what they discover is that the car the keys are in the ignition and turned on but it is out of gas the battery is dead her cell phone her medication her makeup contact lenses contact yeah that's what i was forgetting her contact lenses everything is there and her makeup looks as if it has been strewn about, broken, and destroyed in some various manner. That fucking screams of foul play. Yeah, and the mom's on record stating what 18-year-old leaves her cell phone, clothes, and her makeup, and she states that Ebby spent damn near every bit of money she made on makeup. Yeah. Along with who leaves their contact lenses in their car if they're just going to run away. She states that she... That Abby could not see without the contact lenses. So why in the hell would she leave them there? No. Yeah, exa- exactly. The contact lenses were there and her medication was there. What person runs away with, I don't, I don't, again, I don't know what medication it was. Could have been birth control. Could have been. That's what I'm thinking. Could have been Motrin. Could have been, I don't know. But if it's prescribed medication and you need it, most people that willingly run away are not going to leave it behind. Right. They're just not. And her family's also on record stating that she would not run away 
she had plenty of opportunity to run away, she would just move out. Mm-hmm. And well, that's what she, she did. She did move right. out. Yeah. Or she would just change her. Like if she got into it with her grandparents, fuck it, I'm not staying here now. I'll go stay at a friend's. Yeah. I, I got in a disagreement with a friend. I'm going to stay at Trevor's. Well, I got in a disagreement with Trevor's. I'm going back to the friend's. Or I'm going back. To, you know, it's kind of like she was bouncing around trying to keep her independence. So she had every opportunity to run away. And another thing, why run away and leave everything you own, including that car? But anyway, gross negligence is what we had brought up. (laughs) But the interior of the car, when her mother and her stepfather get the car back, has been water damaged because the cops left the fucking trunk lid open during a rainstorm when they found the car. Yeah, ridiculous. Now, supposedly, a surveillance image shows Abby's car on the road shortly after she went missing, right after Trevor's phone call. Mm-hmm. But police are not saying where or if any was, anyone was in the car with her. Now, Guy Hooper said that he had been... He had contacted Little Rock PD and told him it had sat there for three days. He's also going to go on record that, and we'll talk about this a little more in depth later, but he's also going to go on record that he's seen that car before. He's seen her several times as early as Thursday of that, that same week. The The party was Friday. He's seen he's seen her with an uh, African-American male on several occasions. So, yes, and he, they were quite close and he had was largely ignored and there's a whole plethora of other shit but Mm -hmm. we'll get into it (laughs) all right so her mom makes no bones about it she feels like from the very beginning she was not taken seriously and they missed several opportunities to get a handle on this and didn't supposedly and i've not looked at a, a map but there was a walmart across the street from the park they never went to the Walmart to see if they could get the surveillance tapes. No, they they did not. But what they did do was they did search the park, and they did have dogs there. And the dogs didn't indicate anything when it was searched. But keep that in mind, because we might revisit that. <laughs> okay, well, well, getting back to the Walmart thing. Yeah, they did. There's a whole lot of things the police could have done, but they, that they did not do. They didn't take it seriously when she first reported it they didn't try to get um surveillance tape they left the fucking trunk open ruining evidence they've done a lot of things that are kind of fishy to say the least and it gets to the point where her mom and stepfather are asking all these questions and demanding action and they you know it's kind of Reluctantly, they start answering some of them, and then they turn their sights on the mom and the stepdad. Well, what they did do, or what they failed to do, you may think to yourself, Self, what about the four guys that raped her? What happened there? Well, they did, quote unquote, get investigated, but it was informal. It was not recorded. It was not documented, and they were cleared very quickly. And at no point did they confiscate their cell phones, court order their cell phones. Uh, They did nothing. They didn't search their cell phones. They didn't try to find video. They didn't try to find text messages. They didn't do anything. 
And the police are on record telling the mom that there was not enough probable cause, which is horseshit because if she was going to file a police report that is corroborated by her stepfather and her friend, Mm -hmm. that is probable cause to seize those phones. Yeah, she she's. I mean, there's a record. There is a text record that she sent claiming she was going to go to the cops. Right. For to her friend, her friend has brought that and shown it, and nothing. And the ballsy son of a bitch even has the audacity to tell the mom, "I decide what's probable cause." Yeah, yeah. He he. he, he <laughs> I mean, that I'd is, have killed that fucker right yeah. there. He's like, well, there's no probable cause. She states, well, then what is probable? what is probable cause? And he said, I decide. Like, what? It's at that point that this story would have changed directly for me. Yeah. It'd be, it wouldn't be un- I would have come across the desk. Yeah, there would have been an unsolved and a, a solved, solved murder. <laughs> 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 I was there. He jumped straight across the desk and stabbed him with a pen. It would have been both. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the relationship between the Little Rock Police Department and Laurie and Michael Jernigan basically deteriorates to the point where they don't think it is ever they're ever going to get anything out of it so they mm-hmm. hire like we said a private detective mr monty vickers who just so happens to be a retired police detective from said little rock police department mm-hmm. but and he thinks hey i'm gonna go in there and i'm gonna patch it up yeah he's like i can fix all this and he walks in and he said he got the cold shoulder he got stonewall too if you stonewall a former detective yeah. Something's not right. Something's off. Something, something, something's amiss. And he's on record on the uh, podcast we mentioned, the Vanish Pot episode. He said that a lot of people in law enforcement do not have very good bedside manners. And he said that even though you may be investigating a burglary and you know there's no way in hell these people will ever get their uh, material and property back, you don't tell them that. Yeah. You make them believe that that's the most important case that you're working on to date. Yeah, that that I had an uh, um, incident with an officer that was exactly like that. I, when I was in college, I had, like, somebody broke into my car, stole, like, 400 CDs, and I filed a police report, and he just, you know, totally gave me that whole, we're going to do what we can. Like, we're going <laughs> to... He knew full and damn way. Like, man, we got no idea. And we like, ain't chasing down no twelve ninety nine damn CD. Yeah, we don't give a shit about <laughs> your CDs. <laughs> but no, he was like, yeah, we'll do what we can. We'll, I'll see what we can get in. <laughs> Reminds me of the big, big Lebowski when he's like, when he gets his car back. He's like, man, you got any promising like uh, uh, leads? He's like, leads? I have to work. He goes, I have to check with the guys in the crime lab. <laughs> they got us working in shifts. <laughs> Oh man! It's like, no, yeah, you don't. You do not tell somebody the reality of the situation if it's a desperate situation, you, right? And that's you can't just be the stealer of hope, right? And that's I. And just the small interview that I listened to, he seems like a stand-up guy. He seems like that when he was a police, an active police officer, that he. You know, he did have some compassion, and he tried to. And he even says that he tried to tell some of the younger detectives, look, whether you believe it or not, you can't tell them that. So, unfortunately, when he gets the cold shoulder, that kind of solidifies for mom and stepdad that, you know, this is not going to be an easy road to hoe. 
So he said the last thing that we needed, according to him talking about the family, is to run out here and start our own investigation and interfere with the police investigation in some way. So we basically did nothing other than try to communicate with the police department and stay in communication with the family. In addition to mishandling the car evidence that we previously talked about, losing the call records of said two 911 calls, Mr. Vickers discovers there were many more holes in the investigation. He actually reaches out to the security guard, Mr. Guy Hooper, and he says, Mr. Guy Hooper says, that's the first time anyone has contacted him about the case. They did not ask him one question when they found the car. Mr. Hooper states to Vickers that he had seen Ebby with two young black men in the park only days before she disappeared. It was late evening. I advised them all everybody to leave the park and he said they did they were not rude about it and they they left he said then a few days later i run into her again with another young black gentleman this time they were in the back seat of a car and the third time she was back with another couple of gentlemen when asked how sure he was that it was ebby he states sir after i saw the pictures of her I'm about 75 to 85% positive that was her. Wow. He said that he noticed one guy in particular, like you had brought up, and it was the young man who she was, quote, hugging and kissing and back and forth, he said. He said he was the young man was about five foot six or five foot seven and had long dreadlocks. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a little sidebar on that, and then we'll get back to the previously discussed case supposedly and i've tried to look into it and it was on a couple of websites one being true crime daily said that there was a sex trafficking bus that took place in louisiana Mm -hmm. and but the individuals were arrested and had many connections to little rock well they, they were um six of the people arrested were from little rock yeah so True Crime Daily follows up and contacts Guy Hooper and shows him the mugshots of the ones arrested and asked him if he recognized any of them. And he point blank says it's this middle one on the top and the gentleman on the left. And he was then asked which individual was the one kissing and hugging Ebby. And he points straight to the guy with dreadlocks. And he says, I'm about 85% sure that's him. And... Yeah, like you said, they were busted for sex trafficking. They're awaiting trial in Louisiana. But at this same time, during this whole affair, Abby's mother is going to start receiving phone calls from people claiming that they are sex traffickers, that they have her daughter, and they are demanding money in order to get her back. And we've discussed this before. If you interject yourself into an investigation, you are the lowest piece of shit you may be well, not even just that, but you're interjecting yourself as a as a quote unquote sex trafficker to make money off, and of. as a yeah, you're trying to make money off someone's pain, and there's no there's no way to know for sure if those people were actual sex traffickers or they were or they actually had Ebby or anything like that. It's just phone calls that she. We can honestly say with 100% accuracy they were 100% assholes. 
yeah, I mean that's that's a fact. And uh, but yeah, she's going. That's so t- so t- terrible, but it's true. She was receiving phone calls claiming that they had her daughter. They if she would give ransom money, they'd give her back. She never did, and they of course never did. Well, the young man that we have beat around the bush about having dreadlocks. His name was Mr. Keith Pruitt, and he was 21 of Little Rock. But according to the police in Arkansas, they have not connected him in any way to Ebby's disappearance. They have not. So he, whatever happened to him with the sex trafficking in Louisiana is what it is. But as far as this case goes, he has not been charged. He has not been accused. He has not been anything. Now, Guy Hooper did point out another individual, and that Mr. or that young man was 23 year old gary jackson well before we get to him it is important to point out that even though the security guard identified that gentleman none of her friends have come forward and said that's her boyfriend or that's a guy she knew or that's whatever and and that's what i'm wondering is did she casually know him from the mall and then the party they hooked up or possible yeah it's there's a lot of conjecture with that one but they she does not um her friends don't know him either. Yeah. So there we go. So now getting back to Abby's friend, Danielle, she states to the uh, private detective that she was never contacted by police either. And that's, Abby had been staying with her for that week leading up to her disappearance. Something, I mean, something fishy's going on. Like either... There's only a few possibilities to answer for the police action. Either it is corruption, cover-up, or incompetence. And we're going to rule out that last one. Oh, I mean... I don't see how you could be that fucking that, that's, 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 <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to get to that. that, that I wouldn't say it would be incompetence because that is very damn incompetent. Like, you don't even... That borderline... That borders on... How the fuck do you get out of bed and dress yourself? Yeah. Like like Doofy off Scary Movie. like <laughs> <laughs> Off it's the Doofy, which is... But yeah, so something fishy's going on with these police officers. And it goes, it goes farther to the incompetence thing. It is the... And we'll touch on it right here with the cell phone pings. Uh, her mom asked them to ping her cell phone well they do eventually eight months later because they they are they don't even get around to doing it yeah eight months her daughter's been missing for eight months before they they list her as a runaway yeah before they decide to even do some police work and then when they do the cell phone pings they put her number in wrong and then tell the family that it's been pinged to a field in the middle of damn nowhere but it's friday and they don't work on the weekend so we'll have to check it out on monday so the family drives out there in the middle of nowhere and she and the mom said you know there was this overwhelming sense of dread that they were going to find something and she was relieved but then she was even more dreadful that they didn't find something well then come to find out hell it's not even her phone they pinged. Nope. And then AT&T's who her carrier was with. Well, according to the mother, AT&T bases all of their stuff off of the Greenwich Mean Time. Mm-hmm. Well, supposedly Little Rock, Arkansas doesn't use that time frame. And so when they're looking at the phone records, they're saying that somebody's lying because their phone record, the AT&T phone records are off. From their time on the phone records is off from what 
the time is that Little Rock has, and the mother has to explain to them, no, dumbass, this is plus so-and-so hours, so it's the same, and they would not listen to her. That's where we get, you can't be that fucking stupid. Mm-mm. You cannot be an investigator. It's, it'd be very difficult to be in your profession being that stupid. That's basic fucking, I don't know what, that, common sense, I guess is what, I mean, get your phone bill and look at it. But we haven't even touched on the fact about the police officer's harassment of Abby's mother. Yeah, they bring Abby's mom and the stepfather in and basically drill them for two and a half to three and a half hours and don't record none of it. But basically say, lady, you're covering for your husband and he was he's done something to your daughter. Yep, we know it. You know it. It's just going to be much easier if you just tell us now. Which, granted, it's you not... You have to clear the family first. Yes, that's not out of the realm of possibilities. We do know that... they. Family members do bad things to family members. I don't blame them for thinking that. But the way you approach it is you videotape that shit. Kind of fucked up at the fact that they're being flat out accusatory with no evidence. And then not only that, they're going to be sending her harassing text messages. Yeah, this lady keeps text messages between the sergeant, the lead detective, I think... Uh, the sergeant's boss. And so she finally gets so pissed off that she emails everybody. Yep, including the, the chief. And the mayor. And when you email the chief, shit gets done. Yeah, apparently that's what happened. The lead investigator was pissed, in the mother's words. It livid at the fact that she included the chief. And finally decided to... Um, talk with them, sit them down, and essentially, I, I'm forgive me, you may know, but somehow, for some reason, he wanted to see the mom's cell phone. Um, he was looking at something. I can't exactly. She read. showed him the text between, because she went there yeah. trying to say that the lead detective had crossed the line and was telling her over and over, That's just it. keep, te- you know, That's just confess. It. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Just confess. And so she was trying to explain to them, look, he's harassing me. And he gets her phone and then go ahead. And then he's like, well, there is an awful lot of text messages between you and him. Is there something going on with you and him? And she's like, of course there's text messages between me and him. My fucking daughter's missing. Yeah, my daughter's <laughs> missing. And the chief's like, uh, no, this seems like more than that. So you need to tell me if something's going on with you and my investigator. Like, they're just completely crapping on this lady and her husband's reputation. And not to mention the fact that their daughter's missing. They're having to deal with a nightmare of police work, and they're getting no answers with their daughter. And they're getting the third degree that they're... And then, according to the mom, she's doing all the legwork. She hires a IT guy who goes in and changes Abby's social media passwords and is going to monitor her social media to see if anyone tries to log in as her and the cops were like, well, we just don't know how to do that. It's 2015. If you don't know how to do it, pick up the fucking phone. All right. So on Reddit, there was a thread. And I forgive me, I did not have the username. But he states there's two facts possibly supporting a theory of police corruption. First, evidence of two phone calls 
to the police department, which there is no record that we touched on at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Second, the open trunk during a rainstorm. Now, as he said, and as we have stated, that could be incompetent behavior, but it feels an awful lot like evidence tampering. And so he poses three questions. Is Chalamont Park a common nighttime meeting place for teens? Is it close to Ebby's grandmother's house? And then he wonders if the assailants chose that location because it was convenient for them in some way. Question two, did Ebby have any documented history of mental illness or drug use? This is purely a question to eliminate other theories. Question three, are there any existing witness statements from nearby homes? It looks like Chalamont Park is surrounded by houses. Another Reddit user posts these answers. So to the first question, he says that Chalamont Park is a neighborhood park with a pool and a playground out in West Little Rock, which is definitely the newer, more well-to-do area of the city. There are a bunch of what he calls McMansions in that area. He states that he didn't grow up in Little Rock, but he would assume that since she had been run off from the park on several occasions, that it was a likely hangout spot for neighborhood teens. And then he states that he's not sure whether or not the grandmother lives near it, but he states that he thinks the grandmother lives close by, not nearby, but he states close by because he had read that the Saturday before she went missing in some news article that she went with her grandparents to get ice cream at a TCBY, and there was only one TCBY at that time in Little Rock, and it was in West Little Rock, not far from Chalamont Park. So that leads him to believe that they lived within 15 minutes of the park. Hmm. On question two, did she have any documented mental illness or drug use? He says, I couldn't read anything specifically stating if she struggled with drugs or alcohol or had mental health issues, just that she had been having a rough year. But she did state that she had smoked to her friend. Well, and I'm not, don't ever, ever think I'm going to do anything close to uh, victim blaming or anything. But it's, I think that there's something to that. There's probably some more drug use than we know about because the change in behavior the fact that she moves out, the fact that she's going, she has a separate group of friends than the, the her normal friends, which that's that's a big indicator to me. She starts hanging out with a completely different group of people because she probably doesn't want her normal friends to know exactly what's going on. And the fact that she uh, she um, tells her brother she's she is fucked up. She's like, I'm fucked up. Like, I'm doesn't say on what, but. Of course, none of that none of that means what happened to her is her fault at all. No, still, but it could explain how she got into a situation. A situation. Yes, I with agree. With people she shouldn't have been in a situation with. Yeah. Now, then the last one it says, "Are there any existing witness statements from nearby homes?" And this user says, "That's a very good question." He could not find any witness statements in his research, and I'm going to go out on a limb here. It took the fucking police three days to go out there and check out the car. I'm pretty sure they didn't canvass the fucking neighborhood. No, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't care. Like, I just don't. Getting back to the evidence, I just don't see how you find her car in that state and just think she ran away. 
Yeah, I don't either. I, I because I I read so many articles and so many online threads, and at what point it's almost like uh, Mara Murray when they mm-hmm. find all her stuff. Mm-hmm. If they had said that she had run away, I, I just I still don't understand. Why would you leave everything? You Why would own you leave your car running? Why would you leave your car running? Why would you leave? Your makeup, your your clothes, your contacts, your medicine, your 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 keys, your ID. your cell phone, your ID, in, yeah. your wallet, every everything. Was, I don't give a damn how good you think you are at dropping off the grid. You're gonna need some of that, especially some cash. Uh, yeah, despite what people tell you, cash is still king. Yeah, you can't just disappear with nothing. The only person I've ever heard of that tried to do that, they made a movie about him. Because he starved to death in Alaska. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> hey, Christopher McCandless burned all his money, donated everything in his trust fund to charity, burned all his cash, and then died in Alaska. <laughs> you don't, you can't do it. It's no. hard to do. You have to have connections. Great book, by the way. Movie was good, but books much better. Books much better. Yeah. Around 10 a.m. on May 24th, 2008. This is three years since she disappeared. And according to the video I watched with the, the guy that did it, he just had a hunch. He just felt that something was missing. We needed to go back to the exact location her, her car was found and search again. And he's going to send some cameras down a drainage pipe and he's going to run into an obstruction. And then he's going to decide to dig it up. And guess what? Lo and behold, 60 feet from her car, 60 feet from where her car was found, her body is found. And just so, just so we get it absolutely clear that this family was done wrong by the police department. A family friend named Margie Foley and the mother, uh, she's the mother, she's a family friend and one of the best, the mother, one of Ebby's best friends claimed that they were there searching the park very early on. A year before they find this obstruction. Her and her daughter are at the park just looking. Yeah. And they are going to smell decomposition. And they're going to alert the police that they're smelling the, the smell of a rotting corpse. And the police are going to inform them, hey, we already searched that park. There's no reason for us to go back. And they don't go back. They don't go back and search. But in May 2018, because of a quote-unquote hunch, because something wasn't adding up in the evidence, they are going to find her, her remains 60 feet away from her car. How does that happen? How does that happen? Now, one of two things happen with how her body ended up there. Either when the police searched the first time, they did not search thoroughly enough, and they just didn't come across it and didn't find it. Or it wasn't there when they searched, and suddenly it got moved back there. And I had read where someone on Reddit had, you know, wanting to know were cadaver dogs brought in or something, And this is when Reddit can be useful. A guy who actually is a dog handler, a cadaver dog handler, Mm -hmm. quoted, said, look, I used to get on Reddit all the time, but now I I can't. And I try to put my perspective when I'm called in for cases. 
he said that he thinks from looking at newspaper article or newspaper things online photographs of the area he thinks that their base of operations when they quote searched the park was within 15 feet of that drainage pipe and he said that any cadaver dog would have been brought to that staging area to get acclimated with the area and would not have hit on any kind of decomposition until they got them out of the area away from everything Really? That's what he said. Okay, so... Which that would lead to you to believe... So it wouldn't be the fact that the dogs didn't smell anything. They just, just weren't... It's hard to explain, but you understand where I'm going, right? Yeah, basically, they're... The, the dogs overload. are The dogs are... Yeah, either sensory overload or the dogs know that that's not the search area. Right. They're, 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 they're at their home base. Yeah. They're, they're on base. They're probably taken out of the truck right next to this tent, and they, and they kind of sniff around and go take yeah. a piss. Or a yeah, tent. yeah. And then they're like, and okay, they're, oh, we're going to go to work. Now we go to work. Which, you know, I don't know. That's that's uh, that's uh, that's above my pay grade Yeah, to understand But exactly. I thought that was a cool thing that someone actually got on Reddit and said, look, this could – Okay. This could detect. This could explain why the dogs didn't hit. Okay. Well, that I mean, that's better than the cops just didn't give a shit. Well, yeah, but that's and, a, and, and a, he did say though he did go on and state that he does his best not to point out glaring inconsistencies and incompetence, but that he thought by just looking over the case himself that there was some kind of corruption going on in mm. this case. Oh wow! So I mean, for another law enforcement officer to point out. Hey, y'all fucked this up real bad. Well, oh, man, you know what we forgot to talk about? Hmm. We forgot to talk about how, so forgive us because we're just out of order. But when we're talking about the harassment for the, the mother and the stepfather and the text messages and the this and the that and all this, they were, the police were demanding oh, that yeah. they take a polygraph test. And they said, hell, and they, they thought better of it. They said, how do we know? That if we do take this polygraph test, that you're going to do right by us. Like, how do we know if it's, we're going to get the right um, results? How do we know if it's not going to be used against us unfairly or whatever? Very smart of them. And then when the FBI got involved, the FBI asked them for a polygraph test, and they immediately agree. And they both pass it. Yeah, and the mother is on record stating that if the Little Rock Police Department had taken this seriously and came to them immediately and said, Hey, will y'all take a polygraph test so that we can rule you out? She said, no questions asked. We would have both taken it, and then we could have moved forward. She said, but they didn't, and it was, you know, that whole eight months later thing where she had been just hounded by the police, and she's like, hell no. I've seen things where people get, you know, you're going to say I failed it, and I didn't, and then you're going to try to get me to confess to something I didn't do, and so I think it spoke volumes about how well they were counseled either by the private investigator or by family and friends to hell no don't you dare take one from the little rock mm -hmm. police department but i do like the fact that as soon as the fbi came and they did it right they came to them and said look we need you you know it's up to you you know ultimately but it would go a long way if you would take a polygraph so we could officially rule you out and they were like yep let's do it well, and they both passed it yeah, so very important to note. So like you stated, unfortunately her remains were found and they were so badly decomposed that there was no way to do any kind of toxicology or anything. Okay, so now getting back to the fact that her body was found, and once her body was found, it was confirmed to be her. So the police are going to state 
that the four men in question are now going to be investigated again, but nothing comes out of that. Nothing. So we're left with a million questions as to what happened, why, who, what, when, where, who, blah, 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 blah. One thing they will not do, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not blaming the police for doing this. I don't, I, I think it's very reasonable, but they will not disclose her cause of death. And I will say, as critical as we've been of the Little Rock Police Department, basically, once the press gets a hold of the incompetence, they basically bust the two dumbasses that were in charge of this. They bust one down to bike patrol so that he can keep his pension. And then the other one's transferred to some other department. And the new investigator calls the mom, and she's like, you know, looks at the phone and says, oh, hell. And he starts off with, you know, I'm so-and-so, I'm the new investigator. And she said she was preparing herself for another ass-chewing by the police department. She said, and she got 180-degree different things. She said that he was apologetic. He kept saying how this was a gross miscarriage of justice, that they mishandled this case, and they are going to work, you know, tirelessly now, getting it uh, handled, trying to get it resolved. And so she felt better. So we do want to point out that Little Rock Police Department finally got their heads out of their ass and assigned someone that gave a damn about this case. And so, you know, it, it got to the point, and we didn't touch on this earlier, but it got to the point where the guy, the the sergeant that was investigating, had falsified documents that saying that he had done things that he never did. Now, unfortunately, in April of 2019, Abby's older brother, Trevor, died from a massive heart attack at just 35 years old. Sheesh. So within a year of her now, body being discovered, she had to bury another child. Does does it say anything about that maybe being drug-related? No, it just says he died of a massive heart attack. Man, for somebody to die of a naturally occurring heart attack at 35, that is very rare. I'm not saying it don't happen, but man, that sucks. That is terrible. So as of today... And this podcast, there is still no closure for the family. I don't know if the police have any lead suspects. I know there is a $50,000 reward right now for information leading to the people or person that caused her death. My heart goes out to her mom, especially, you know, losing her son and her daughter within a year. And, you know, technically she lost her daughter several years prior, but not, it wasn't confirmed until, you know, May of 2018. And then by April of 2019, you know, she's lost her son. So Mm -hmm. this case is very odd. It was a user submitted case. And thank you for asking for us to cover this. Uh, Hopefully we did it justice. As you can tell from our episode, I'm a little bit passionate about stupid people and doing what you're supposed to do. Just do what you're supposed to do. I, I, it just amazes me. But anyway, let's get into our theories. So I think, and this is just 100% my own theory. There's nothing to back this up. I'm not being judgmental. But I think, like you had stated, there was some... She had dabbled in some things other than probably marijuana, and that kind of explained the two different friend groups. Mm-hmm. 
she went to this party and she may have just been high. And like, you know, we stated she felt forced, but she never used the word rape. And then it may have been after she talked to someone where they tell her, look, that is rape. Mm. Yeah, that, that, you know, that we really don't, we is. We can't confirm that. Right. We just know that when she speaks, we, she speaks to her friend through via text. She doesn't use the word rape. Right. But once she speaks to her parents, that word's been, th- it's starting to be used. Right. And my biggest thing is if you're videotaping, if you're the guy having sex with her and you're videotaping it, you're a dumbass. If you're his friends and you're videotaping your friend having sex with a girl who's high or drunk, you're even, you're a bigger piece of shit. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that this case could have been, I don't know if it had been solved, but they could have easily subpoenaed, got a warrant and got those fucking cell phones and dove into were there text messages between those four and her, one of the four and her. I think they have, those four have answers to questions that would help solve this case. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, well, why didn't they subpoena? Why didn't they take the phones? What, what, why, what happened to these guys? Who are they? What, have their names been released? Blah, 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 blah. No, their names have not been released. No. There are not, there were not any subpoenas for their cell phone. No, there was not anything of substance done to these individuals. And you may ask yourself why, which is a valid uh, question. And we don't know for sure, but we do know what we read. And there is a theory on Reddit, not a theory, but someone claiming to be close Closely involved in the case because they know they're from Little Rock. They, they were at the high school, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, they're claiming that one of the boys involved was the son of a police officer. Not just the police officer, the chief, or at least the former chief. No, the chief at the time. The chief at the time left office, what, two months before the body was found? Mm-hmm. So, again, that is just something we read on Reddit. We have no proof of that. But it would explain a lot of the actions taken by the police if it was a cover-up. But again, we don't. We have no idea. We don't even know the name. We don't even know the name of that person. So, but it just seems like something about these four individuals. Kind of. I mean, are they made of Teflon? Nothing sticks to them. They didn't even. I mean, just and. You also may say to yourself, well, they probably deleted everything. They probably deleted the text message. They probably deleted the video. That doesn't matter when a court order is involved. That stuff still exists. Just because you deleted it off your phone does not mean they can't get it back. Ask Christy Teigen about her tweets. (laughs) (laughs) So That shit stays forever. Mm -hmm. So something. I don't know what to think about all of this, but... It just seems very... It's very suspicious that, A, you when the security guard calls and says, hey, there's this car here, and then he supposedly tells them he had a dash cam and he would download his nightly dash cam videos to his personal computer. Mm-hmm. They never asked for his dash cam. Mm-hmm. And then, like everything else, time is is the enemy and his computer crashes and wipes out all of his dash cam videos. So that's lost. Is that a coincidence or not? Maybe. And maybe. maybe <laughs> then they don't, like we stated, they don't go to the Walmart to see what cars are coming in and out of the park. 
did her car go in and come back out that night? Did her car come back later and then it never come out? But again, you miss your window of opportunity there because we know Walmart, they re-record every, I think, three months. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, before, but I think it was six months. Um, but by the time the police got around to doing anything remotely close to police work, those tapes were gone. Yeah. Those recordings were gone. The The cell phone data of the four individuals could have been pinged to see where were they in relationship to her cell phone. But again, you know, mm-hmm. they've got their heads up their asses and they don't do basic police work. This is basic stuff that could have been done within the first day. Yep. You know, and you clear them. You know, you, you do the investigation and then you clear the four. Sorry, ma'am, these four... You know, they have rock-solid alibis, and, you know, we've subpoenaed their phones, but there's nothing on there. It's real easy. Yeah, and catching a teenager in the act of a crime is not going to be hard when it, because of the cell phones. All you got to do is trace them. Ping the cell phones, you'll know that those, you would know who was near her and when, where, what, and all, all of that. You would have been well on your way to solving this case. If you'd have just done a little police work at the beginning. Just a, just a teeny bit. Well, here, I mean, again, we're not law enforcement officers. We don't know what these people go through. We don't know how many false uh, reports they get about, oh, this girl, my God, my daughter's missing, my daughter's missing. And then an hour later, she shows up. I was at, I was, I was across the street at Bobby Sue's house. Yeah, Billy Jean's house. I was... Just hanging with friends or whatever. We don't know how many times that happens. I'm sure it happens more than we know. But as a human being, you want to err on the side of caution. Yeah, when you find that car. And and supposedly there was an APB out on the car. Yeah. We, so when he calls it in, they should have went out there. Yeah. If you, you find that car in that state, you immediately should. I would have assumed the worst. Yeah. But it just doesn't happen. So my opinion is, I hate to be, my opinion is somebody involved with the rape. Has connections to the police. Well, I'm saying, well, maybe that. But I'm saying what actually happened to her was she threatened to go to the police and they killed her. Or, you know, maybe she was drunk. Maybe she was. Or high or whatever, and just like you said, you saw, you saw on Reddit that there's some sort of game in Arkansas yeah. where people crawl into drainage pipes and see how far they can get. I don't believe that at for a second, but you read it, not me. Yeah, I did read it. And you I was read like, it on Reddit. the fuck are y'all doing in Arkansas? <laughs> so if <laughs> if our Arkansas listeners can confirm that this is an, that's an actual thing, we would love to hear from you. Because we don't believe that shit for a second. No, I read it and I was like, there's no way this is true. <laughs> like, this, this just no. This just can't be true. I refuse to believe. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you are interested in this case, there are several podcasts out there that did episodes on this. Uh, like we referenced The Vanished And podcast. The Vanished is the best one. Yeah. Um, true Crime Garage did two episodes on it. Did they really? Mm-hmm. I didn't listen to those. I should have. And the captain gets extremely pissed at the incompetence of the police department. Oh, wow. And, uh, does he use the, use the piece of shit? Yeah, he does. <laughs> and then 
Ebby's mother and her brother Trevor are on an episode of the Dr. Phil show. Yes, I knew that. I saw that segment. And there's many YouTube videos out there for you to watch. I did not watch any of those. I know Coach Cold Case did. Cold Case Detective was pretty good. True Crime Daily is good. There's a lot of inf- like this this is one of those cases where if you want to know more, you can easily. Yeah, there's uh, articles out there from True Crime Society. They have pictures of Abby. She was a gorgeous young lady. You know, she looked full of life. And, you know, it's it's a tragedy that she's gone so early. I just, my heart goes out to the family. And the, the true tragedy is the fact that this is unsolved. We cover a lot of cases where there is, it is a 1,000% impossibility to figure out what happened. Yuba County 5 uh, jumps out in my mind. There was no one there to tell us what happened. There's no way for us to ever know what happened to those gentlemen. This case could have been solved. This case could be solved right now if it wasn't for the fact that somebody didn't do their job. Or they they did their job to such a piss-poor result that... You know what I'm trying to say. They screwed up. They didn't do what they're supposed to do. They would have at least, I feel like, if they had done what they were supposed to do, have a viable suspect or suspects just waiting for them to fuck up. Mm-hmm. But we have, you know, and like our previous Arkansas case case is, they're not going to say anything. They're not going to let anything come out, and they are too prideful to allow outside agencies to help them. Correct. So your guess is as good as ours when it comes to actually what they have. And Hopefully here, they do have a person of interest. And here's something that's impressive. If the four gentlemen are that are suspected, that I suspect, were involved in the rape, I mean, the four, the, <clears throat> the four guys she accused was in, is the fact that they, they've not, they're quiet. Four people are keeping a secret. Four people have not. Somebody's not got intoxicated and spilled the beans. Nobody's told, you know, felt so guilty they had to get it off their chest. And, or if they have, no one, it's never come to light. So if they are involved, that's just, that's wild. And the fact that it, those four gentlemen, if they are, if they did indeed rape her and if they did indeed kill her, that they haven't gotten some sort of trouble uh, elsewhere. And then they try to play let's make a deal, you know. Like, I, uh, yeah, I got caught trafficking these drugs and you're about to send me to jail for 20 years, but how about I give you all the information on my murder? And let's see what we can, you know, drug trafficking, if you got enough information to make three convictions, they might let you out scot-free. Yep. It's just, I don't know, maybe time will tell on that or who knows. But like we've stated many a times. It's going to be awful hard for four individuals to keep their damn mouth shut. No, yeah. It's, almost, it's damn near impossible. And I would even err on the side of if they were older than her, you know, if they were 18, 19 years old and attending this party as old as, say, 23, if they had tried and pulled this shit and, you know, got her high, got her high and took advantage of her, that wouldn't have been the first time. Mm. And so... You know, there's probably a pattern out there with someone that if you've never heard of this case, maybe you can, hey, you know, 
I think I remember hearing something about this, and this son of a bitch tried something like that on me a year before or a year after, and that's what it's going to take. Yeah. It really is. But we can sit here and pontificate for the rest of (laughs) eternity, and we're not going to get any closer to solving this case. But unfortunately, like I stated, my heart goes out to Abby's mother and father and her family. If the mom somehow finds this little rinky-dink podcast, just know that our thoughts and our prayers are with you. Absolutely. And and you are a very strong woman, and you have our support. And if there's anything we can do, please let us know. Coach, you got any recommendations? I'm going to recommend the Vanish podcast because it was on this this episode. I believe it was episode 69. Is extremely good. The, The interview was good. You get a lot more details than we're able to even list here so if you're into podcasts which you clearly are if you found this little rinky dink thing go ahead and listen to it that's great uh hopefully by the time that you listen to this the great unsolved podcast is fixed i don't know what's going on but the one episode the one episode we're a guest star on doesn't work have you tried to listen? Yeah, I can't get it. I've tried to listen on like, I've downloaded nine different apps. podcast apps yeah. and none of them work. So I let her know she's aware. She's trying to get it fixed. So hopefully by the time you um you you hear this, it'll be fixed and you can listen to our her episode on Gary Sudbrink and our little um uh, guest spot on that. So please give her uh, a listen and give her give her a shot hopefully it'll be fixed my recommendation is going to be anything and everything related to mr david goggins if you have not read his book can't hurt me i have read it you need to it is it's funny how he mind fucks his he plays games when he's in hell week against his instructors yeah he's in crew too he's insane yeah he is um, if you do not follow him on Instagram, please do. And it, he, not necessarily him, I think his girlfriend's the one that, that takes care of everything. And she even put a post out a couple of weeks ago stating, you know, it, it's tiresome to watch him do what he does. And it is monotonous at his routine. But that's what he does. I mean, the guy was like, he just started jogging ever so often, jogging, jogging like two or three miles every other day and then just all of a sudden he decides to join to, to sign up for a hundred mile race yeah he won <laughs> breaks, he win bo- like two breaks both his feet <laughs> yeah and his daughter or his daughter his girlfriend takes a picture of his feet and puts them on instagram and they are they look like someone that's run an ultra marathon yeah he has an autoimmune deficiency not AIDS or anything like that. I think he has. I think he has sickle cell, but I'm not sure. So don't quote me on that. But no, the, I'm going to. the uh, there's a lot of things that were stacked against him, and he does not care. He makes no bones about it, and I really find that refreshing. So if you've not heard of David Goggins, he has two episodes on Joe Rogan's podcast. They are both phenomenal. His book is phenomenal. His uh, Instagram page is outrageously funny i find it when he calls people out so check him out if you never heard of him coach you got anything else no well, i guess it's about that <laughs> time uh deuces <laughs> <laughs>